You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 43. It gives the impression that the 20-year project is over, the generation-length project is over. And I don't believe that is true at all. I think that you know the self-driving car project is a generation-length project. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Uh, Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. That was, uh, or actually, I think the last episode, we came back to you right after Thanksgiving. Isn't that right, Aaron? Yeah, it was was in the the post-Thanksgiving weekend there. Yeah. Man, I was coughing so badly. Uh, during that, not not dur- during the last week. I think we recorded at the last possible moment. If I waited for the next day, it would have been a big problem. Oh, just under the wire. Yeah. This is, so I haven't done the show for a year yet, and I'm realizing that December is probably the hardest month to make the shows come out because there's a, a holiday every, uh, or some holiday-related event every other day. So let's go through it. You know, last week was Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, today, this is being recorded on the first night of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. We just all, uh, you know, lit the candles for the first time. Next week's show will be right after the last night of Hanukkah. And then that'll be followed by a show coming out on Christmas Eve, followed by New Year's Eve, which I don't know what I'll do yet. That'll be some interesting. This is all because of my Tuesday or my Monday night schedule. So, um, just happened to line up. That's a lot to fit in there. And yes. by the way, crunch yeah. time in general. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Aaron. I know that your uh, your contract says that you're not required to come on two weeks in a row, but <laughs> you're here anyway. So I really appreciate it. I'm expecting a, a nice Christmas bonus. Mm. Well, we'll have to see about that. I'll talk to payroll. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about, uh, we're, we're going to basically continue our discussion of the news today. I do have some kind of tutorials and stuff lined up, but uh, I think today we're just going to keep it kind of simple and sort of follow up on some Google news and some self-driving car news, because there's actually a lot there. And while it's on our mind, actually a lot of stuff on self-driving cars has come up recently. And I know I've shifted my focus a lot in this show from Facebook to Google, but it's interesting to kind of dive a little deeper on each of these companies and what's going on. I actually have... Um, in a few weeks, uh, Mariam Ali, I don't know if you remember, she was on episode two, all the way back in episode two, uh, talking about internationalization. She worked at Google for a year. So I am going to talk to her and try to get, you know, some insights into how things really work inside the company. And so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, if you have any questions, send that to me. Aaron, you could uh, participate too. It's uh, localmaxradio uh, at gmail.com. Um, now, you, also, a Google email address. They're listening. Yes, they are. So uh, not, not to go off script a little bit, but you mentioned we're, we're, we're not focusing on Facebook this week. We're focusing on Google. Does, does Facebook also have their fingers in, in some sort of self-driving car venture? Or is that the one area they aren't investing in right now? I don't, I don't believe they are. Um, you know, Apple is. Uh, Google is. Facebook is more in the... They did a lot of the, the virtual reality space, mm. which is probably a mistake. Because I don't see that. They own Oculus, big. is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I don't see that as being as big as, uh, as self-driving cars, although we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. First of all, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's look at, you know, there's this idea that uh, Google giveth and Google taketh away, right? And so we have this, uh, uh, before we get into the cars, this, uh, again, Google is cutting their, uh, their offerings in Google Hangouts. Uh, what did you find here, Aaron? Yeah, so it, it was uh, based on some uh, maybe unconfirmed sources, but uh, essentially saying that, that Google Hangouts will be shutting down, and I think they put a, a 2019 uh, timeline on it. and. Uh, since since then, Google has come back and made some official statements to to say that yes, it's shutting down, but no, there isn't an official timeline on it. And don't worry, we're not going to be just shutting it down. We're going to be migrating people to 
to a comparable service. Uh, but but this yeah, is so the let's, first let's time back they've up. officially yeah. confirmed that it will be shutting down. Let's back up a little bit. So Google Hangouts is came out with Google Plus. We covered how Google Plus is being shut down. Google Hangouts, I kind of associate it with the video chat. And like you said, uh, video chat isn't going away, but their app that does it is. And so... Um, yeah, and, and I don't know that they were the first to do video chat, but they were one of the first to do kind of a free, easy to use, uh, readily available, and and not just person to person, but you could have groups involved in it. Uh, and right, they, they really that was the big upgrade over there. Skype, and it was just easier to get on than Skype. But yeah, man, when when it first came out. I don't know if you remember this, but there were some really cool games that you can play with your friends on it. There was uh, like Geography Finder and stuff like that. And actually, I think you and I played in a group uh, a few times that Geography Finder game where you oh, pick yeah, a, absolutely. A, you pick a photo, and then the rest of the group has to find where the photo is. And you're playing, and you're 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 on a video chat at the same time. And then one day, we opened that app, and what happened? Do you remember this? Was it nothing or did it just crash hard? It was just a bug. It, was just, ah. it just stopped working. Like sometimes the photos would come up blank. And so they, they built this really cool product that I love to use, but no one maintained it. And that's, um, yeah. well, there, well, that's something to consider. There were a lot of things in there that product. used various Google APIs. And, and obviously the, uh, the, the geography game was, was based off of uh, Google Maps or Google Earth. Right. Uh, and, and that made a lot of sense. But uh, part part of the reason that that most people in the the Google Watchers community were not at all surprised by by the confirmation of this rumor is, is that there has been little to no development or maintenance work done on Hangouts in quite some time, and, I think and that's usually year. an indicator yeah. of uh, if if there hasn't been a, a new release or an update in a while, they're probably not going to be doing one, and and they're focusing elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's sad when that happens. It almost seems inevitable, though. Um, especially when you have the Google type strategy, which is to like let people start lots of projects and then you know focus and let certain ones fall away. Um, but it is it is kind of sad. It, um, but it, and it also does kind of feel like you know I can understand if they're taking that away to focus on something else in the chat area, but it really doesn't sound like that. I mean, they're focusing on enterprise, right? But what does that mean? That just means businesses are going to be using their... Yeah, so supposedly their their Hangouts chat, which, uh, of course, none of their marketing material refers to it as as a Slack competitor, uh, but but that's basically what it is. Um, yeah. And and but then Slack Hangouts Meet do, is yeah. is the the video version of that. So they're they're splitting it out into two different products, and and they're both at least in their current iteration, very much targeted towards their, their you know, commercial, their enterprise customers, not their, their consumer side. But that's what they're saying is going to, to kind of where the, uh, uh, what was the term, the uh, Hangouts, the classic Hangouts users are going to be migrated to. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see what this looks like. Um, again, it's, <laughs> I feel with a lot of this stuff, features are being taken away rather than being added. So um, we'll see if they can turn that around. Um, okay, so let's get into the self-driving car update. And I want to, well, in a little bit, we're going to talk about this article from Forbes, which I don't know, these, the Forbes articles, the Forbes online articles are sometimes really bad. I think they just let anyone write <laughs> these articles. But there was one, well, it's a pattern that you see a lot that's much more negative than it really has to be, given what the facts are. Um, and so I just want to start this by talking about the um, the idea behind the accelerating rate of return and technology adoption. So there is a chart that's kind of popularized by Ray Kurzweil who talks about the accelerating rate of return. In other words, technology gets better and better at an exponential rate and things get uh, adopted at an exponential rate. Um, and now, is, is he the founder or the originator of, of the, the whole concept of the singularity, or is he just its biggest evangelist? No, I, I think he's just the biggest, its biggest evangelist for now. Um, and he does, he works at Google as well. Um, but um, the idea is that, well, if you look at the chart here from Pew Research that I have up, and I'll, I'll post that on the show notes page, it look it shows like here's the length of years that it took for this technology to be adopted and so you go back to 1873 it says electricity took 46 years uh 1876 telephone took 35 
And, and the benchmark they're using here is is uh, one quarter of the American population using that technology. Right, right. And then, then they show the numbers shrink. Well, television is 26. The PC, 1975, 16 years. You know, mobile phones, 1983, 13 years. The web, 1991, seven years. And so the way this thing kind of breaks out, first of all, they kind of expect you to believe that nothing really got adopted very quickly in the past. And that's not true. That's not really true for 100 years ago. It probably is true for several hundred years ago, but not for 100 years ago. Um, And it also kind of gives you the false impression that anything that comes out today that's going to be adopted is going to only take a few years. And if it doesn't take a few years, then it's either not worth doing or something's wrong. Um, Or I feel like this chart really overpromises people on the on on the on emerging technology um in a way that i i can't quite uh, i can't quite pinpoint but well i think i'm pinpointing it now it's just i i think it gives the impression that the 20 year project is over the generation length project is over and i don't believe that is true at all i think that you know the self driving car project is a generation length project I think that the cryptocurrency project is a generation-length project. Um, in some ways, these chatbots are multiple generations, and uh, I mean, like like several decades. And so, um, I don't think that this kind of chart is completely useless. So, for example, they say it took 26 years for the television to be in the home. Um, although, you know, I. When I spoke to David Petruja a couple of weeks ago, I learned that you know part of that was the Great Depression kind of intervened, so that 26 years would have been uh, would have been sooner. That not the Great Depression and World War II, right? So the um, if you look at a technology that's similar, for example, how long did it take for flat screens to get in everyone's home? Well, that was way faster than 26 years. So if you look at like the well, and, speed and of upgrade the, in that particular something that's like comparing apples to apples. It's true, but the, the the thing is, oftentimes we invent an apple, and then when we invent a better apple, it comes out in a shorter period of time. But then we have some super smart swarm of apples, and that <laughs> that that takes a long time as much as the original apple. If that makes any sense whatsoever, you you, you lost me in the fruit analogy there a little bit. Yeah, I think I, I, I pushed it a little too far. <laughs> That, so there, there, there are two things that come to mind. One, one is that that this well to to continue with the fruits and vegetables. Uh, you you can make a chart like this uh, by very carefully cherry picking your which technologies you're going to plot on there. Right. And not not to say that these these effects aren't real, uh, but that that maybe it's not as as much of a predictive indicator as it might lead you to believe the other yeah. is that this this benchmark they're using is not necessary for for um of, of one quarter of american population uses it uh i, I have some questions about how they're doing that because something that's not on there which um predates the telephone but postdates electricity and and would would be uh i, I think quite appropriate uh would be the telegraph and hmm. uh so virtually nobody has a telegraph in their home unless unless they were you know, a, a crazy inventor or a business person who needed to, you know, uh, I think right. I think there was a telegraph in the White House, maybe because he needed sure. to get messages from the uh, Lincoln needed to get messages from the War Department quickly. Sure, but, sure. Uh, but but that was something that that people used quite extensively. Uh, but I, I I don't know what the adoption rates on that would look like. I'd be curious to see how that 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 fits in here. And I, and I think there are other technologies kind of in that similar vein that. That that don't necessarily follow this curve, but uh, but but would be considered to have been you know dramatic innovations in in technology. Yeah, yeah, and the thing with um, the thing with self driving cars is, or at least cars that run on software. Let's actually start with there, because all cars now run on software, right? There's this idea, you know, you can have your car just like your phone download better software every day. And well, you could, but most of them big, can't. Yeah, I know, but that's a big deal. Whereas before, you know, you would have to just buy a whole new car, you know, or, or to, to get any feature. Like um, that. That the, being said, it also means that you can get bugs in your car a lot easier. Well, that's um, true too. That, but it is and, it is an upgrade. 
and and there is the the uh, the crazy tinfoil hat proposition that uh, when when the big one goes off, when the EMP blast happens, uh, any car after you know nineteen seventy something is going to be dead because it's got computer chips in it. Whereas that old uh, uh, you know old fashioned carburetor operated uh, you know hot rod is is still going to be running just fine until until the gas goes bad. Aaron, when we're in the post apocalypse, I know who I'm going to call. I'm, yeah, I'm going to show have, up at your house. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get there. but I, I know uh, just enough to be dangerous here, not enough to actually survive uh, af- after, yeah. after the mushroom cloud. Well, at least you might know what cars work, and you might know how to <laughs> shoot a gun. So I'm totally screwed. Uh, anyway. Um, we'll we'll uh, miss New York City. Yeah, yeah. Um, although anyway, I do I've, have, I've I do have, the, I do have the map here. memorized so I can walk out if need be. Um, okay. Or swim out if that be the case. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I, I think that's kind of where the negativity coming comes from. And just by, by the fact that like, you know, a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people only see things on the one or two year time horizon, which really isn't enough for a technology like this, particularly a technology like the self-driving car where you really can't, um, you really can't hard code in all of the different possibilities. You really kind of have to, you, you really have to build uh, intelligent technology. You really have to take AI and maybe not make a general intelligence, maybe not make an AI that is as intelligent as a human, but definitely push a few clicks in that direction, which is considerable work. Yeah, well, and and, and it, sh- it seems, at least at first glance, and I think we've talked about this in our, our AI discussions, but it seems like it should be an easy problem to solve because humans are terrible drivers. Yeah. Um, but, but as we've seen, it's not easy to make a computer that's actually a better driver than a human yet. Well, yeah, because computer, humans are really good. You know, I, I think uh, the majority of our cortex is used for vision, you know, and vision is a very tough problem. It's very... You know, and that it's hard for computers to have vision. But once we crack that, and it is kind of being cracked for self-driving cars, like it, humans have a hard time focusing on what's in front of them and what's in their peripheral vision at the same time. We can build a computer that kind of has a 360-degree view and can kind of keep track of everything that's going on around them at, at once. Yeah, I mean, so when, once, once you crack, yeah. Once you solve the the kind of deciphering what you're seeing and and analyzing it. Uh, the the computer is going to do away with the problems of distraction uh, and and you know limited throughput that the that the human brain has and uh, it's it's going to be a much more attentive much less prone to to error system once we get over that hump but we're not there yet yeah so one before I get into Google I want to point out the um, the New York Times technology reporting which is pretty good here um, on what's going on at GM now the uh, the gist of the article, a lot of uh, business articles start this way, which is really like some guy gets a new job. But that's it's important. You have to kind of read between the lines and see what's going on. So it's the officials, Dan Ammon, who will give up the job of GM president, become chief executive of Cruise. Now, Cruise is the division working on autonomous vehicles. Um, so the move gives Cruise increased management heft as it prepares to start a driverless ride service by the end of 2019. GM expects the service and other related businesses to expand rapidly. And Mr. Aman, I hope I, I hope I didn't pronounce it incorrectly. It's either Aman or Ammon, probably Aman, said it could involve trillions of self-driving cars in the future. Trillions. What do you think he means by that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if they misquoted him on that, but that's e- either he's talking about a, a far off future or someone got their numbers wrong because uh, well, uh, no, well uh, imagine a hundred uh, cars per person that would be <laughs> on the planet. Yeah, it's it's a lot of vehicles. I could imagine there being multiple cars per people if you know. Um, well, probably not, but I, I could imagine there being a lot of cars with no one in them doing important things like. Um, shuttling goods back and forth and things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, per- uh, perhaps if we're talking about autonomous transport for things other than people, you you could get into into numbers significantly higher than the number of people. Uh, yeah. But but I think there's kind of a diminishing threshold there. Yeah. Um, 
Trillions yeah, of sensors. That's true. If you count yeah, I mean, all it, the sensors it, in a car, it looks like a, a rough estimate is that there's there's over a billion passenger cars on the on the roads of of the world today. Um, wow. But but I don't think that gets us anywhere near a trillion. Yeah. So anyway, that could have been a misquote or a misprint. Uh, although we'll have to talk. We'll see what they say about it in the future. But this is actually uh, pretty interesting news because it looks like Google's interesting division Waymo which well actually it's really Alphabet's interesting division Waymo is is Waymo the self-driving cars and GM is also you know put and, and other companies as well are putting a lot of resources into their self-driving cars divisions now uh, I want to just read one other passage from the article about Cruise which is GM's self-driving car division Cruise is testing about 180 self-driving cars in San Francisco its vehicle, the Cruise AV, is a small electric car that has no steering wheel or pedals and navigates streets using radar, cameras, and other sensors that allow the car's computer systems to identify pedestrians, intersections, other vehicles, and obstacles. With no steering wheel, it has two passenger seats in the front and a center console with a display screen and a buttons and knobs for audio and climate control. So... That seems very significant. Um, and I also don't think that, you know, it's also very strange when they also say, well, this will be out by the end of 2019. The way they described it, it's such advanced technology where there's no, no steering wheel and no, no possibility of a, of a safety driver or a human takeover, that that, I think, can't be the one that's being released in 2019. Yeah, I'd be curious so, what yeah. markets they're planning on yeah. releasing that in because I... I I think that there are a number of states that have provisions for the testing and evaluation of autonomous vehicles, but I don't think there are any that currently have a legal framework to actually yeah. allow the the uh, you know un unmonitored is not the right term, but but to allow their their use outside of these test and evaluation programs. And maybe that's their workaround is is that they will run this service under the auspices of where well we're using it to collect data and 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 run further R&D, uh, but we're also serving customers as part of that. But right. it, it, it seems like there's a, a couple of key steps that need to happen before that's really going to come to fruition. Yeah, and I think sometimes the executive, uh, the executives in their communications kind of um, make the prompt, make promises that seem too high. Like they'll be like, self-driving cars will be on the road in 18 months or something like that. I'm, how often have you heard from an official at one of these space companies like SpaceX or um, <laughs> one of the other ones like, we're going to have, you know, commercial space operations within two years. And then like, you know, 10 years later, it still hasn't happened yet. So it's... Well, uh, someone was telling me that they were going to have the first round of uh, space tourists before the end of this year. I forget whether that was SpaceX or or one of the other Virgin Galactic probably they've been Oh yeah, saying, maybe it may have been Branson. They've been saying that for like since the 2000s. Like <laughs> oh, it's imminent, but or the whole decade. Now eventually they'll do it, but I I feel like they are not they are over what they're building is really awesome and a really huge step forward, but they somehow managed to overpromise and underdeliver. Um, even though what they will eventually deliver could be very significant, but it's all about communications, I guess. Yeah, I'm 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 surprised they're able to get away with with <laughs> missing the mark on that so many times. But uh, I guess what they're offering is sufficiently exciting that that we're willing to to keep. Being well, it gets let them along. in the news. Yeah. So okay. Um, so let's go to the Forbes article about Waymo. So I, I think like. My takeaway from this is that these things are actually kind of on schedule. Like we're making, like we're, but you know, whoever's working on it, they're making progress. <laughs> we as a, hey, this is part of the uh, capital stock of, of humanity. So, so we're making progress. <laughs> um, you know, last, last time we spoke, you were, you were upset that somebody in the New York Times was referring to the collective we and how we never learn. Yeah. Got to be, well, be careful using that. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank you for telling me if my statement <laughs> contradicts any previous statements that I made. Um, although I don't know if that's necessarily a contradiction. I, I actually explained my we. Um, so in that case. Uh, There's okay. a quotable moment right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about Waymo. Now, Waymo is, well, 
You could think of it as Google self-driving cars, but actually Google doesn't own it anymore. Remember, Google stepped back as, you know, Alphabet is now the holding company, so then they have Google, and then Waymo is kind of separate that also reports into Alphabet. So it's not Google's, but it's but I use Google as kind of a... Yeah, it's, it's nobody part of the says Google Alphabet. family. Yeah. No, Google family is Alphabet. I can't say Alphabet. I don't know. It just never caught on to for me. I don't know if, if you feel the same way. I just, I, it's hard to say. I can't say, well, Alphabet is doing this. Nobody says that. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's, that's their intention, is, is that Alphabet is, is the parent owner, but nobody really talks about Alphabet, or if, or if that's uh, a, a missed branding. Uh, yeah, but nobody can, nobody can talk about Waymo without mentioning Google. I guess, can, I guess they yeah. want, want you to talk about Waymo without, without talking about Google, but it's hard not to. Um, okay, so anyway, um, the basic idea is that Waymo is testing... Uh, their service in Phoenix right now. And they have something called safety drivers. Safety driver means that there's a guy in the car. It's like taking a taxi. Um, so it's sort of autonomous, but there's a guy there. And we'll talk about that a little, the, little bit more. Yes, it's really lame to have a guy in your self-driving car <laughs> pretending like he's driving. But look, that's how it has to be. All right. So Now, now are, do we know if these are hands-on or hands-off drivers? Um, they might be they might have to have their hands available to grab the wheel yeah so we, we, sh- we should that, probably include a link to the the well, I, I guess it's actually six levels of autonomous driving but but zero through five because uh what is it so so the uh the cruise av we were talking about before that literally doesn't have a steering wheel that would be level five which is okay. steering wheel optional um and and it sounds like if you've got a safety driver then it is probably level one or level two, which level one is hands-on, level two is hands-off, okay. and then level three is is eyes-off, and I, I don't know if this is an official term, but level four is mind-off, Okay, uh, where the driver can actually go to sleep. <laughs> okay, so what they're doing is, uh, well, it sounds like the cruise AV would be mind-off because there's not even a steering wheel. The well, driver so can't the, even... Mind-off still has to have the steering wheel, so, oh, so right, that under right, right. circumstances you can take over. Yeah, and then then level five is the steering wheel optional. So there's no inter- human intervention is required, or uh, I guess in the in the case of the AV, possible. Right. Okay. So uh, Waymo. Uh, so there was an accident, as sometimes happens with these cars. It happened when one of the safety drivers was driving the car and got in an accident with a motorcycle. Um, so now it sounds like they're building a kind of a a, a system to make sure that the human driver is paying more attention. Uh, it's like sort of, um, I don't know if it's if they consider it AI, but it's like AI to make sure that the human, uh, your human smarts are, uh, are, are ready to use. And so the article says, the net result is that plans to launch commercial autonomous services during the 2019 or even 2020 look to be on very thin ice. A commercial service to be one where the fleet manager has no human in the vehicle at all if there is a human from the fleet manager present, then it obviates the whole point of an autonomous service and is not a, and is not a going concern. This is because the service will not be as cost-effective as having an ordinary car with a regular driver. So let's break this down. I think that the ultimate goal of these self-driving cars uh, uh, taxi services is that you could pull out your phone, call one of these cars, or maybe even you could wave it down. Who knows? And then it comes to you, and there's just... There's literally no one in there. You get in. It takes you to where you want to go. You open the door. You say, bye, car, and it goes off and gets the next one. And that would be fantastic uh, for, for in, if you think about it in terms of price for the consumer. I mean, think about it. Most of that price is to pay for the driver, right? Human labor is expensive. So if you have a self-driving car and the te- price of technology can be brought down, then uh, – then your taxi rides become really cheap. Essentially, the price of gas and then some kind of base price for all the technology that went into it and for the car. Yeah, that, that's uh, the theory, at least. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like there's this idea that we have to jump directly to this end state, this end goal, where once that end goal is achieved, that is huge. And it's a really difficult problem and there has to be a bunch of points in between before they get there. Um, so 
Uh, I also read another article from Business Insider, and hey, now I'm going to say the New York Times looks good because I feel I feel like the articles from Forbes and Business Insider. Are, eh, I don't know how much to believe. Whereas I, I I read the New York Times tech and business, I'm I'm actually more certain. Well, uh, I, I can't talk to Business Insider, but I I believe Forbes has moved to an editorial model where they mm. have very little in-house editorial staff, and so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 largely uh, contract uh, reporting. So the Business Insider article is slightly more positive. It looks like, uh, f- from their perspective, so Waymo has said that they are going to launch in December of 2018, which is is now. It is now December yeah. 2018. So uh, and the Business Insider says it still looks like they're going to launch in Phoenix this month. Um, it's not the no driver at all thing. They've never promised that, as far as I know. Um, as far as I know, that's years out. But the idea is you can call one of these taxis, and they'll be a safety driver in there and that'll be how it works. And I, just to say it again, I think that this safety driver phase is inevitable. Yes. Having a safety driver is really lame in your self-driving cars. In 20 years, people will be saying, man, those safety drivers are lame, but I can't see, or who knows, maybe they will be good conversationalists. Maybe that will be their, their role. But think about writing, let's say self-driving cars and taxis become a success and you are writing the history of it 20 years from now. I can't imagine that history not having a phase where there were safety drivers in there. Well, I, I think it's it's critical to, to, to note that where are we going to see this? We're going to see this in the Waymos, the, the Ubers, uh, the, the, the GMs who can afford to pour billions of dollars into the R&D phase here. They, they don't need to have a uh, financially sustainable model for this phase. And that's why you're not going to see any, you know, taxi companies whose bread and butter is running a taxi service, launching uh, services that use these self-driving cars with a safety driver, because it would be a, a financial step back for them. Right. I mean, that could be something that you do, you know, in the future when cars, if, if you imagine like a, a one of these car manufacturers builds these things, Maybe there's third-party software, or maybe it's in-house software. I bet the Apple one would have in-house software to control the self-driving cars. And then you can own a fleet, um, and that would be your bread and butter, and that would be your – you make sure that the fleet is going around. You're kind of responsible for maintaining these cars. You know, as some, someone said, what if someone, like, vomits in one of them and something like that, you know, um, or just kind of keeping tabs on them. Um but that's that's still way off. We're still in the R&D phase. And I feel like, well, we have to kind of, the view that has to be taken when you sort of read these articles, and if you're thinking about investing in one of these companies or just trying to understand how this is coming out, is that, uh, you know, there are multiple phases that they're going through. Um, there are always kind of setbacks and step forwards. It looks like, in this, having followed this for many years, the forward steps are greater than the steps back. This is not one of these technologies that's like, you know, always on the horizon, but nobody ever completes. Well, so the, the question I guess I have now is what is the what is the business case for the consumer? Um, so in, in this phase where we are not yet at the point where everything is cheaper because there are no human drivers, right? what is the incentive for me as somebody who needs a ride from point A to point B to go with one of these quote-unquote autonomous uh, vehicle options like that Phoenix. has a safety driver as yeah. opposed to just getting a traditional taxi or an Uber with a regular driver or a, a solution along those lines, which should be at least price competitive unless, unless the the people who are funding this R&D are also going to so heavily subsidize it that they can make it uh, attractive to users just to, to drive uh, traffic to themselves. Yeah, well, there might be that, and there might be a little bit of the novelty effect of it as well. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can see that once or twice, but yeah. uh, it's... Like there, there was definitely a phase early on in, in the days of Uber where, oh, it was this cool new thing. Let, you know, watch me hail a ride on my phone and it'll right. take us where we want to go. Uh, but then the reason people kept using it after that was because it was less hassle than a taxi. You didn't have the awkward uh, exchange of payment. It, it, it brought other things to the table just then check out this cool new thing. Right, right. Why not just have a regular Uber? Well, I, I think for a while it'll just be more experimentation. I mean, it could also be that, you know, a safety driver 
gets tired less than a regular driver. Like, I don't know how long you could actually drive a car for without saying, okay, that's, that's too much. I don't it, know. If it's been a long time driver. since I've done any human factors work, but yeah. I, I almost want to say that it would be the opposite that yeah. uh, having someone who is constantly watching to see, do I need to take over? Do I, that, that the, the stress levels for that would be higher. And so they might wear out faster, but you might be right. I, 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 I don't, like I said, it's been a long time since I've done any human factors work. I'm sure that there's research on, if not exactly that thing, very close to it. Um, and yeah. and so, it, again, it depends on, on what the level of oversight they need to be providing. Is it, you know, they need to be constantly watching for indicators or, you know, when, when a certain alarm goes off, they need to be ready to jump in. Yeah. So it sounds like um, the first commercially available ones, which, you know, possibly will come out this week with the safety drivers will essentially just be subsidized R&D for the companies to just see how it's going to work end to end. And, you know, it's important to get those things out often. uh, And it's important to get those things out quickly when you're trying to develop a product because you want to know where your pain points are going to be from end to end. If you just kind of focus on getting the autonomy right, and then you wait until that's done before jumping into the, okay, I'm going to have a taxi fleet type of a thing, you then don't know what other problems are going to come up when you add that on top of it. And so yeah, it's, by it's having the end-to-end see... R&D, it's, it's, it's going to help them get out, get to the, the dream of the no, no, driver, no car, driverless car thing uh, faster. It's interesting to see someone like GM coming in, into that. And, and I don't know if they're partnering with somebody for the ride service end of it, but that's, it seems like that's something that's very much not in their wheelhouse. If I would expect them to be quite, quite prepared to design a vehicle and and integrate some new technology into it, but running a consumer facing ride service uh, doesn't seem like that's playing to their strengths. Yeah. Um, So I'm, it, it's it's interesting that they've chosen this approach, and I don't know if it's like like we were stipulating, just so that they can get more more data and and be able to iterate on on the actual autonomy part better faster, uh, or or if that is a market that they're looking to get into to compete with with the Ubers, or or maybe simply they're trying to do a proof of concept so that then Uber can swoop in and and say, okay, we would love to buy you know uh, five hundred thousand of your your cruise AVs for our fleet. Yeah, yeah. And it remains to be seen whether Uber does that or whether they will just kind of like right now, the cars aren't owned by them, although they do. Right. Well, I I know there have been uh, joint investments between uh, several different auto manufacturers and and Uber and and Lyft. And I I can't remember who's partnered up with who there, but and and whether those are exclusive deals or or if that's kind of, you know, well, we're going to put some money in for some research and we both get the results and then we go our own way type of, of situations. Yeah. Okay. So let's compare this to some other, uh, some other areas. I want to compare this to chatbots, and I think you wanted to compare it to aviation. Yes. Uh, what did you have to say on that? Well, so, uh, th- this kind of harkens back to the, uh, the, the chart you were talking about before with how quickly technologies get, get adapted, right. or, excuse me, adopted. Um, and, and when we were chatting in the pre-show, we were talking about, you know, the, the Wright brothers, uh, development of, of powered flight in, was it 1902, 1903? Uh, yeah, and how, yeah. uh, you ten, I think it was 1905. And then less than 10 years later, um, those things were deployed in world war one kind of poorly. I mean, you wouldn't, it, it was mostly for surveilling, enemy territory right it was was taking on a role that had previously been filled by balloons so it it wasn't terribly innovating but by the end of the war it it had changed quite a bit yeah i mean and that's a pretty fast turnaround time uh at least uh according to the chart yeah well and and granted that's not 25 percent of of the u.s population using it but but it's it's adopt seeing adoption in, in significant ways. Yeah. Uh, but, but I guess what I was really getting at with that is, uh, so, so we've had more than a century of, of powered human flight. Uh, and, and we've had, you know, since, since at least the, the, uh, you know, the twenties and thirties had commercial airlines. Uh, and, and even today, um, despite the fact that most of what happens in the cockpit is automated, uh, we still have not just a safety pilot, but in almost every single commercial flight case, you have two 
two pilots in the front of the airplane. Yeah. Uh, and, and you could argue that's that's driven because there's a government agency that's regulating the FAA, um, much like the National Highway Safety Administration or, or National Transportation Safety Board, whatever, whatever the proper acronym is for uh, the organization that's overseeing the deployment of, of autonomous vehicles in the U.S., uh, on the highways is, uh, and, and they're going to be slow to move. Um, there's also the unions. These, these pilots have jobs. And so uh, they they don't want to see uh, their jobs disappear. And, and they've got quite a bit of pull there. Um, and, and we've seen that to some extent with um, le- less directed towards automation right now, but definitely the taxi uh, organizations fighting against the Ubers as that, that essentially shifts to a non-unionized workforce there. Um, so, so there, there, there are those forces kind of pushing against the the adoption and the development, but there's also the public perception of safety that uh, most pilots are held in a, a certain high esteem, yeah, uh, and and uh, people are they they're they're one of the most trusted you know professions in in, in America. You well, know, you need. Th- there's, I, I assume that the pilots are landing the planes manually, right? Or is that uh, not true? I, I don't think as much as you would suspect. I have no idea how this works. Um, but, um, yeah, but the thing is, that's a mass mass transit, right? So there's a lot of people on it. So what percentage of your plane ticket is actually playing, paying for the pilots? It's probably not as much as, like, the percentage of your taxi fare that's paying for the driver. Right. Well, yeah, it- I, I don't know how much that would change the uh, your your ticket price if we went to fully automated. Al- although, um, like I think if we there's had a lot of things associated with the unions and the labor laws that yeah. make that make pilots uh, and and well and flight attendants too. Because who's to say you can't automate the drink service? Right. Just, right. just get a fancy Roomba in there. Oh yeah, yeah. But I uh, I feel like well you have to have somebody with a human. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are afraid of flying out there and they get kind of freaked out. So you need people to well, that, that's, come. that's why you put Xanax in the drink tray. <laughs> I guess so. Roomba can detect that to, automatically. To, but to uh, kind of what wrap I'm saying up my is, point there, there's, yeah. there's a public perception of safety that uh, the public is not ready for fully autonomous flight passenger flights. And, and sure. I, actually, it's kind of been one of my my uh, a, a great mystery to me that we have not moved to autonomous flights for cargo flights that I think FedEx and UPS, uh, because they, they make up a huge portion of, of the, uh, the air traffic in the U S uh, I'm surprised they haven't tried to at least eliminate the, uh, the co-pilot, uh, if not eliminate all human pilots for, for their cargo flights and use that as kind of a test bed to move into the, the commercial, uh, commercial yeah. piloting field. But, but that's something that hasn't really happened, at least to my knowledge. Yeah, that's that's a good thing to look at because I was going to say, like, uh, think about the buses, right? A bus from New York to Washington could be as low as like twenty dollars, right? Yeah. I well, feel it, like it, it touches back to um, if there was the, a, the topic well, we talked about before with yeah. with uh, truck drivers and and yeah. uh, was it Charlie well, no, Oliver's well, hold on. Uh, yes. show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 let me just go back to the buses for a second because okay. there you're on you're on with the bus with maybe like thirty other people who you don't know, and it's sort of makes sense for there to be like a leader on the bus that's like in charge of the bus. You know, people want to see that. Yeah. Although, uh, on the subway, uh, sometimes you can see the person driving it and sometimes you're a few cars back and you have no idea if there even is somebody up at the front of the train. Well, that's true with the subway. I don't, for some reason I feel like the bus is different. I, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's literally on rails. So (laughs) it it seems simpler. Although, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe nothing recently, but there have been incidents in in Boston, at least, where uh, there there have been problems where they they haven't even managed to stay on the rails. That even the simplest things. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that could start happening here soon. I mean, one of our most important trains is is going offline, uh, Brooklyn to Manhattan uh, next year. Not my part of Brooklyn, but still, it's going to be it's going to be a mess. But anyway, um, yeah, I also wanted to compare self-driving cars to chatbots because I was kind of involved in the whole chatbot thing a couple years ago. And there's some really interesting differences between the two types of emerging technology. One is that anyone can build a chatbot, right? You can kind of come in and write a few lines of code and write something very simple, maybe not something that someone would adopt, but it's kind of cheap. Like, you know, Foursquare, we can come out with our own chatbot pretty easily. 
Yeah, def- definitely um, lower barrier to entry there. Yeah, so there's a lot more people trying, although the ultimate dream of having a chatbot that really understands you is probably going to happen, I would predict, way after the dream of the autonomous taxi. Although once, once we get to the point where we figured out the hardware problem, um, like you were saying at, at the beginning of the show, uh, when you've got cars running on software, uh, what's to stop somebody from coming out with uh, their own algorithm to run on that hardware that, that might be better than, than you know, whatever Waymo or, or GM is putting out there? Um, yeah. yeah, but I was saying that like, um, I, I feel like the, the dream of the personable uh, like smart chatbot um, at least up to the levels that kind of people imagine is not going to happen. Even though there's more people working on it, it's not going to happen um, as fast as uh, the self-driving car, which is totally autonomous. I actually think the self-driving car is going to come first. And I think this dream of having no one in the car, look, maybe having someone in the car and having that commercially available, they say it'll be available maybe maybe well, could be in a month uh, in one city. But it could be more. It could take a few years for that to become available. But I, I believe you know by the end of next decade, um, that whole being able to get someone with no one in there will be available. End of next decade being twenty thirty. Yeah, no, not twenty twenty. Uh, that is just way too soon. That's like, that's uh, thirteen months, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I won't put a date on it, but I, I agree with you. It's, it's much more likely that we're going to see yeah. the. The driverless car, um, sans safety driver, before we see the uh, kind of yeah, the achievement of, of that that yeah. uh, perfect chatbot that that we're envisioning. Yeah, perfect is maybe the wrong term, but yeah, but that the full, fully realized uh, kind of image of yeah. Of, well, you also see like less of a monetary incentive because I feel like if you have this fleet of self-driving cars that you could unlock, you know, hundreds of billions of, of market cap. I mean, that could be like a trillion dollar industry. Whereas well, it's hard to come they're... up. I mean, Amazon's got their got their uh, Echo, but uh, you know because they're hoping to sell more more items through that and and sell the hardware. Uh, but you know, I, I don't um, see lots of companies pouring in the billions and billions of dollars they're doing with the cars. Yeah, and and I think part of it is because of who who is the customer um, that Americans are used to buying cars, and so if right. if they come out with a a better version of the car that that harnesses this new technology we're we're psychologically prepared to purchase that yeah uh, chatbots right now are are not something that you market as a product to the consumer so much yeah well the echo has been and and siri has been but it's kind of a feature i, I uh, would well, say that the echo is the first time that it's been marketed as as a product per se that yeah. that that yes siri and and cortana uh, and and the the handful of others out there have been marketed as as additional features on products that people already buy, like cell phones. Right. Um, but but and and Alexa doesn't come in a vacuum. Um, sorry, everybody who I just triggered your devices. Yes. Uh, uh, but but it's, I have it's, my headphones in, so you didn't trigger mine. It's it's part of a, a smart speaker and part of an ecosystem. So nobody's going out and just purchasing a digital assistant. Yeah, um, they're they're purchasing it as part of a, an ecosystem, uh, right. and 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 uh, well, that that's another interesting question: is with autonomous cars, do they have to make improvements to the the I'm making air quotes around ecosystem here? Because um, th- there was some early uh, developments with with self driving or at least uh, assisted driving vehicles, but it required things like painting special lines on the highway or or posting special reflectors and and you know, will will we need a special autonomous vehicle lane uh, installed on the highways? And and that stuff really hasn't been been developed much, uh, or at least not talked about much recently. Uh, but but if we're looking at changing dramatically the the way the uh, yeah, I think the idea kind of the, is the, the topography of, yeah. of the driving uh, world looks like, then then those would not be unreasonable. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to get infrastructure to change. It's hard to get infrastructure projects. Uh, done at least with the way things are in the united states so um they kind of say well we can put as much technology as we want in the car itself so we just focus on that yeah i mean so so just going off the cuff here uh 
a way forward on that might be that if, if the U.S. government provided incentives to because uh, there's already incentives built around electric vehicles. And if they say that, well, all autonomous vehicles going forward have to be uh, fully electric uh, and we will create, uh, you know, we're replacing the, the high occupancy vehicle lanes with uh, electric vehicle lanes or or we're creating a, a special toll lane for electric vehicles that they get to go through for free or at a reduced rate. Uh, and and that might help drive some of those infrastructure incentives um, to to not only expand the fleet but but also to to get more uh, adoption from the consumer side. Man, I in a perfect world, yes, but I think in <laughs> I think that they're just gonna I, I think the, these companies are gonna throw up their hands and say let's just work on the car itself. Yeah, um, well, I mean it's it's, it's <laughs> they they can advocate for that, but certainly it's not fully under the control to the extent that what goes in the car is. Yeah. All right, so it's been fun talking about self-driving cars. I think that's the first um, episode that we've done on self-driving cars, so it's a good kind of. Start I feel like we've think. we've mentioned it in the we've past, it a but bunch, yeah, may, maybe maybe I'm just conflating that with I know it's a topic we've talked about at the uh, the technology retreat on oh, numerous yeah. occasions. Yeah, yeah, that is true as well. Um, yeah, so again, I have uh, an interview coming up on um, Google, and I'm going to ask about uh, some questions about their culture. Um, do you think they have bias in the search results, things like that? I'm also going to ask about, you know, the product development cycle, why some things are getting pulled and why it feels like we're losing in some areas and, and gaining in others. Um, and then I, I also, I don't want to say who it is, but I, I'm going to have an uh, episode on the audio web, uh, which is like how audio fits into the web, which is sort of based on text. Um, that'll be interesting. We might do one on... Public choice theory. What else do I have coming up? Oh, an urban data scientist is going to be on the show. Uh, talk about um, you know how um, you know about root finding. That's that's a really interesting topic. So I've got some really good guests that uh, might be coming up on the show. Uh, and so uh, yeah, join us in the following weeks and into next year. Uh, Aaron, thanks a lot for coming on. Always a pleasure. All right, have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power. And she said, I don't care what you say. You're gonna.